You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Because there is such thing as being too big for certain niches. Um, so just throwing that out there. We like to say that with our channel. Like there's big booktubers out there, but look, come comfortable right in here. We can still we can still be somewhat authentic. We're not bought by Audible yet, but when you see the Audible ads coming up, you know we've lost everything. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to another Two to Ramble episode. I'm Austin, and I'm Richard. We have a very special guest today, Lynn. Ahead of Lynn Moore Publishing is here, and this is a big attention to all readers and publishers out there. He has this great Kickstarter, this great startup publishing company, and I will let him take it from there and introduce himself. He's, I am super excited. We backed the Kickstarter. He is not yep. paying us to be here. This is just a very cool guy with a really, really inventive idea. Welcome to the pod. Hi, everybody. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, yeah, like you said, I started uh, Linmore House, which is a publishing company that is uh, entirely crowdfunded. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of ins and outs that we'll get into uh, during this podcast, but it is a lot different than anything that I had seen in the market. And uh, as long as the people want it, it will be here. Fantastic. And we here on Tudor Ramble are hacks, so I'm going to completely copy something you said on one of your TikToks that okay. really drew me to you, is that you said you want this publishing house to be the A24 of publishing. And right when I heard that, I went, that's our guy. <laughs> so can, can you go on that? Because that, that really struck a chord with me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, it was, I'm sure we're all fans of like movies, TV, and books. People aren't typically fans of one. So when I was looking at like the TV or movie world, um, I don't see people that follow Universal or that follow um, MGM or something like that. The only company that I could think of where they followed the actual production studio was A24. Like people talk, that is the big thing that if an A24 movie is coming out, you have a general vibe of what you're going to get. You don't really know the story that they're going to tell. You don't know who the director is. You might not have ever heard of a single actor that they have up there. But you know that it is going to be a little bit different. Um, and different could mean good. Different could mean bad. It could mean for you, not for you. But you know the general vibe. And the same thing was true in the publishing space. I don't know anybody that buys a book just because Tor put it out or because Penguin Random House. Um, you know, books are the most difficult medium to invest your time into. Like a, 
a movie you can watch the whole thing it takes two hours or you could watch a trailer that's two minutes and decide if it's for you books don't have that we like to pretend that it's the back cover but that doesn't tell us anything about the writing style or the arc of the story um so it's about building that trust a24 has built that creative trust with the audience that when they put it out you're going to get a certain bar and i wanted to do the same thing in the publishing space that you can't get too big you know if a24 started putting out 40 movies a year it wouldn't keep that quality up which is why we've dedicated to only putting out 12. Yes, and that 12, so you, the goal is to have one author a month submit their manuscript to, or, to you. And could you explain that process? So for any authors listening right now, they can send you their manuscripts and potentially get published. Yeah, so lynnmorehouse.com, we have a, a little script that you got to go through that tells us how many words it is. You got to fill out your name, email, that type of stuff. And then you just upload the full uh, script to us. Typically, if you, you know, authors are really used to sending to agents and they'll only ask for the first 10 pages or the first three chapters. I want the entire thing because especially when I really like it, I'm going to read the whole thing in one night. I like, I'm going to get the whole vibe of your story and see what's going on to where I can email you and go, Hey, I love these pieces. I didn't love these pieces. Are you open to changing some things? Um, or working with an editor to, to try and work out a deal as fast as possible. Um, so whereas agents typically go, I'm going to read the first three. If I like it, I'll ask you for the rest. I want the whole thing up front. Well, for potential art, uh, authors out there, what type of books are you looking for that you want sent to you? Yeah, so I, this was something I spent a lot of time on because it's difficult. How do I put this? I think that some people are really bad at giving book recommendations because what they do. Oh, was is... that directed at us? Have you seen our stuff? Is that is that a <laughs> no, slight? That is not, is not directed <laughs> at you. At I all. saw you look into the camera. I don't know. <laughs> this is towards the TikTok world where they will just like get on there and yell and be like, "I loved it. It's enemies to lovers. It's this. It's that." And you're like, "All right, that doesn't tell me anything about it. That like you you told me some of the tropes I'm going to come across, but." is the writing style similar to something else? Does it, what feeling does it give me? Because that's ultimately what it is. When somebody reads a book, they're chasing a feeling. And so does it give me the same feeling that this other book gave me? Or does it have the same trope that this other book had? Because it's not mm. the same thing. So when I was looking at mine, I was going, what are the books that gave me specific feelings? And what is that feeling that I want to recreate with the books that we publish? And some of those were Mistborn, Piranesi, Red Rising, um, I can't even remember what some of the others are right now. Sword of Kagan was one of them. Sword of Kagan, yeah, that book was. Um, that that I mentioned else. that as well because we have a, a quick plug for ourselves. We have a Patreon, and that's our book club of the month that we're reading with our oh. some of our fans. I just finished it myself. We're gonna have videos on it. Do not I'm, worry. It's I'm almost be... done with it. I think I'm about 150 yeah. pages out from finishing right now. You know, so, well, I'll, I'll circle back to the books that we were talking about. But Wraith yeah. marked. Uh, do you guys know who they are? Yes. Okay, so Wraithmarked recently did a limited edition of the Sword of Kaigen, and they uh, messaged me on Kickstarter, backed the platform. They did an email blast out to their backers and told them to go to our Kickstarter. Whoa, the, that's great. The CEO emailed me and was like, hey, man, when we were going through the logo thing, so we had a logo that belonged to somebody else. We didn't know it. It was copyrighted. Um, the, the designer had double sold it. I made a video about that. The CEO of Wraithmarked emailed me and said, hey, if you need a new one and like, need some help with it i'll pay for it wow. I, was like, I was like dude what are you doing like you know <laughs> um and i i ended up turning it down because i have a designer buddy or whatnot but they're so nice and have been so supportive so i just wanted to give them a shout out because i haven't talked about that anywhere else yet 
Oh, um, wow. Absolutely. That, that's incredible because for... They do some great work. See, yeah. Seeing some of their special edition covers, like, oof. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for our listeners who don't know, this Kickstarter that you started had a goal of 15000 and it ended with almost hitting 40000 So you over-doubled your goal. You have 899 backers, two of us. We are all two of your backers. We can't wait for the book. And the reason we also backed it is we, we saw your, your fantastic breakdown. And that, that's more of a five-minute thing you could check on, on Lynn's TikTok here. And the, I think yeah. it'll probably be in the description below. Yeah, all, all of your stuff will be in the description below. You guys can check that out. So when, when looking at what the benefits were, there are so many benefits for readers to be involved in this. Not just can authors get published, but could, could you go over the breakdown of what readers get by backing this project and by staying with Lynn Morehouse? Yeah, that's another thing that took a lot of, of time to go through here because I was sitting around talking with some of the people um, that I, I work in publishing and I was going, how do you create a value proposition to where this is the case? Because I know some other people who have tried to do similar things where you fund it up front and they were going, we can't figure out the value proposition because it, it just doesn't make sense. They're going to pay an abnormal price for a book, which I think the the hardcover, I charge like $35. So the first question is, why would somebody pay 35 instead of 20 at Barnes and Noble? The, and, and then it's, uh, why would they pay more for that for an ebook or an audio book? Why would they pay for it for a book that they don't even know what it is from an author that they like literally anybody watching this, who you don't know who I am. When people bought into this, I, I didn't promise an author. I didn't promise a specific story. I said, I'm going to try and print something within these parameters. Like I said, Mistborn, Piranesi, Red Rising, sort of Kaigen. Um, and it's basically like, and I hope you guys all went out on a branch with me to, to see if we can hit this, right? And that is a crazy thing. Who else, in what other industry are you going to buy something before it exists that you don't know what it is? I'm aware how crazy right. it sounds, you know? And so going through that value proposition was going, well, the only thing that I can think of is to bring the readers in on the process. So giving weekly updates, a lot like Brandon Sanderson does in terms of where we're at with the business, um, promising to bring you in on the business itself, giving financial information, information about um, picking the stories, how many submissions we have received, uh, what the processes look like. Because the opposite of that is the publishing, uh, traditional publishing, where people don't know what's going on at all. Like you, uh, it is difficult to find traditional publishing information. And I wanted to go, well, why don't I just take the the caps off of this and show you the inside look, you know, who we partner with, what these timelines look like, um, which we're in the very early stages. There will be so much information that comes out over the next six months because uh, our first book is due in September. But the main value proposition was bring the readers in uh, by creating a Discord, a, an email service, um, and eventually we will build out our own website to where people have a portal to log into to where they can see the books that they've signed up for. And one of the coolest additions as well, which correct me if I'm wrong about this, but we are we are huge on book communities and love book clubs. Having one of our own, we saw that the authors that you uh, that you get each month will have a book club with the readers at the end of said month. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. The book, the month that the book comes out, we will do an exclusive book club uh, for the people that backed it with the author. Um, and we wanted to do exclusive instead of open partly to give the value proposition back to the yeah. people who, who gave the money in, but also to make it intimate. I don't expect, you know, you said we had 899 backers. Um, 
and also a big middle finger to the 900 one we did have 900 he backed out at the last moment oh and, uh, <laughs> i was i was staring at my computer like watching the timeline go down and i go don't do it don't you do it <laughs> He did. I, I, I'm, hey, I'm sorry. I just got. I was tight on cash. I real. Yeah. I kind of regretted it. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, so, well, to make it intimate, we had 900 backers. I don't expect all of them to participate. Even in the Discord, about 600 have signed up. And on a daily basis of what that uh, book club is going to look like, I probably expect 100 to 150 to be active participants. So it allows you to actually have FaceTime with the author and talk about the story and what their process is like. Um, Cause people are gonna nerd out on different aspects of it. Some people are gonna nerd out on the final product. Some people who wanna be writers are gonna nerd out on the upfront aspect of how did you come up with the story and develop it. Um, right. So allowing that intimate space was a really important thing for me. Right. It really sounds like a lot of your success, especially as coming from a failure in the current publishing industry. Yeah, let's, let's trash them right now. Yeah, let's trash the <laughs> well, traditional it's, five. It's not even trashing. It just seems that along with your success, I think Brandon Sanderson mm -hmm. uh, with his big Kickstarter kind of opened a door to you that money is currently being left on the table that mm. these pub the traditional publishing houses just aren't picking up on. And it takes people like Sanderson and yourself to pick up, yeah. pick up this uh, extra money that people kind of want to give you guys. Yeah, he's a huge inspiration in all of this. I mean, I've followed him for a long time and they've had their blunders, but the thing that I admire about him is that he's also trying to take the caps off, the lenses off and show people what it's like to do this. Um, and especially, you know, I, I see you've got Tress on your shelf right there. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you guys received yours. I received mine about four months late. I didn't care. You know, I didn't care because I understood that this was a growing thing that was bigger than what they expected it to be. They had logistics to work out. It's probably similar things that I'm going to run into. Um, mm -hmm. But I appreciate how open they are about those problems and trying to solve them. Um, but in regards to the big five and how my company works with it, I think that companies, new companies specifically, should exist to solve problems. And in every industry, there are problems, and this is how you get a niche, is you discover a small enough problem that you think you can solve and then go after it. And then companies typically grow by adding new niches to that. And so the main one that I am trying to fix, as was outlined in the Kickstarter, was if you are a no-name author, you are getting bad deals or no deals by publishers because they want to give advances to people who believe that uh, they're going to sell books because an advance is basically a loan. Um, it is not just money in your pocket. You have to pay it back. And in order to get that advance, they have to have some metric that you are going to sell books. Well, if somebody, if I don't have a platform, so Joe, no name, zero followers on every platform wrote the greatest book that has ever existed and Tor goes and gives them a deal on it. Uh, how do people find out about that book? It, they can put it on their Instagram, but if you go to their Instagram, they mainly promote their big authors, uh, TJ Klune and V.E. Schwab and stuff. And I get it because there's a value proposition of when you do a blast, how much sales you get in return. Uh, you go to their Twitter. They're very good about tweeting about new books uh, because it's, it's a higher information stream platform. But like I outlined in the Kickstarter video, the new books get 15 likes. Tor has 300,000 followers. That's not Tor's pro like fault. I'm not saying that they're bad people are doing something wrong. I'm saying 
the audience doesn't give a shit. Why would they? They don't know who that author is. They don't know anything about that book. Mm -hmm. So the only way to fix it is to pre-establish a group of, uh, well, two ways. Either the author has a following of their own or somebody gives them a following. And that is basically what Linmore House is. You bought the book up front. I'm expecting you to read it because you've already invested money in it. And we just want to give them a platform of if the book is good, here's 899 people instead of 900 who are reading your book the day that it comes out, who are willing to tell other people about it. Because we all know that books only spread by word of mouth. Every book I have ever picked up, it wasn't because of an ad that I saw. It was because a right. TikToker or a YouTuber was telling me about, or a, a friend, you know, I wanted to provide that infrastructure, the word of mouth infrastructure to these authors. Yeah, that that's, yeah. that's incredible. And that's the same for us as well as we're all word of mouth. And I don't think I've ever picked up a book because I saw a tweet, by, a tweet by Tor. And a lot of that has to be because Tor, Orbit, all these publishers have so many books they're publishing every year. You lose track. And when there's such quantity, it's, I don't know if that's good because I don't, trust the source of tour could be a fantastic book which they have many or just an all right book whereas your goal here is you're being more selective about it will be 12 books a year and really focused on the quality and your pitch to readers your pitch to or your pitch for readers is that hey if you like stuff like red rising if you like stuff like uh, like a, a sort of kagan or kaigen i keep saying it wrong these are the kind of novels we'll have and that feeling you got from those. And you'll, the readers will trust you more as they see the work that you're publishing. It, it seems the, that that's the hardest hurdle I think you're going to overcome. The, the first one was, of course, money to you know, yeah. get off the ground. But the next, next big hurdle is building that trust. And that's only going to come naturally from your first book to your second. And if those are successes, then I imagine it'll just snowball from there. Without question. And there's certainly some other hurdles in between there, but I'm, that is the number one thing I'm feeling the pressure of right now is what book to pick and why are you picking it? Cause there have been some that have come across my desk that are actually pretty good, but I don't think that they fit the audience that I pitch to. Mm -hmm. And so it would feel like a lie picking that one. Um, cause it's just outside of those parameters. And so how do you find something within those parameters that you think is right for your audience? Um, that is good enough for your audience. Uh, but there's another thing that I actually wanted to announce on here, if you guys don't mind. Fantastic. Oh, so the Kickstarter was pitched as this is book one and for, uh, future rounds of funding will not be on Kickstarter, but this is just to see if the audience wants this and to what level they'll get behind it. Um, and I went on to talk about how we would do one of these a month and you know, put out 12 books a year. So May 1st, uh, the Kickstarter's ended. May 1st, the subscription plan is going to open and it's going to open as quarterly. So the okay. first year of books is not going to be 12 because I think that I would be putting myself in a corner trying to grow that fast. Mm, um, okay. Versus if I do it in May and allow for uh, two months, it would then go to July 1st. So, so the, you can sign up for the subscription for two months. Uh, July 1st, that puts us on a quarterly plan with the year. And because that's halfway through the year. And we would then do four more books outside of Kickstarter. And in January, let me break down the whole timeline here. Book one is due in September. 
if you sign up for the J July one, that is actually January's book. And then it goes quarterly until the end, right? Uh, uh, for an entire year. So we would put out five books in the span of 18 months. Um, and if we get the growth that is necessary, build that trust with the audience where the books are the level that they should be, then we will move to yearly. And if we don't, this was an experiment and it's on to the next thing. You know, I'm not, um, I don't think I'm jaded about that. This could technically fall apart at any point. I could open up the subscriptions and 200 people sign up. That's not enough money. It dies. Hmm. You know, um, I want to do as much as I can to help the community and to help the publishing space, but it's going to take money that I don't have. So it's kind of a back and forth here. Um, and I hope that people will show up for it just this, just like I did with the Kickstarter, but we're going to see what happens. Well, I can guarantee you this, this video, we can give you all the proceeds of YouTube analytics. We get about a dollar 50, I'd say per video. So <laughs> we'll send that right over to you. Every dollar counts, you know, every dollar counts. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. And I'm very curious what, what's the foundation right now of your team looking like because it, it's, it's very much startup so i imagine you can't play a ton of employees you guys are very much on the foot so what's the team you have backing this currently um officially it's me that's the whole thing um okay. and this is kind of a part of the four books you know going to quarterly instead of yearly is having worked in publishing so i'm a publishing production manager um i have dealt with every aspect of what it takes to deliver a book and it is mm. sometimes it's large teams sometimes it is a lot of contractors so typically the things contracted out um, for a smaller company is going to be an editor maybe two editors a line editor and a developmental editor um, it's going to be a cover designer a typesetter and then it's going to once all of that is done it's going to ship off to get printed it's like, okay, well, we're about to print 900 books. Where do they go afterwards? I don't have enough money to buy a warehouse. So you have two options. You can do warehouse, um, third-party warehousing, which is basically you send the books to them. And for a fee, they will process each one as it goes out. Or my plan, which is for only 900 books, I'm going to ship them out myself. Wow. You're going to have a few more books behind you than what you got right now. <laughs> That's yeah. right. So it, that is a growth thing where if it was over a thousand books, I would probably have to do a warehousing option. Once we get to 5,000 books a month, it would be worth getting our own warehouse. So you just mm -hmm. scale it throughout time. In terms of advisors, I'm surrounded by really good people that I've had the opportunity to work with. Um, but actually working for Lynn Morehouse, it's just me. What is your background in the publishing space that led you to being able to have this startup and get into this position? So I was an intern under the director of publishing um, of a company that you've never heard of, uh, but that did fairly well for themselves. I did. I was an intern for about six months, and then um, they had a client who was starting to break through their ceiling and needed a dedicated person. And that became me uh, because their mindset was, well, you're only going to be managing one person. So to go from intern to this, isn't that big of a gap. Um, and 
basically just scaled throughout that and brought on more and more clients to where I was personally responsible for about 3 million a year in sales and the distribution uh, and marketing campaigns of all of that. Um, but facilitating, I mean, that's what a production manager is, is I line up with teams uh, to make these things happen. So I was hiring the designers and the editors and get, being a liaison between them and the author. Once all of that was completed, I was getting printing quotes from a couple different companies who can you know, deliver best. Uh, once they were delivered, managing uh, the marketing campaigns with the delivery dates to where people knew about the books and then uh, managing shipping depots and numbers after that, because you have a burn rate of books. So, uh, which is a terrible expression in the industry, but you know, if you're selling 200 a day and you only have 5,000 on hand and you know, it's going to take 12 weeks to get new ones, how long do you have before you have to order new books and go through this whole process again? So I dealt with all of that for a company and just brought it over into my own space. It sounds like you're doing exactly what you do for the other <laughs> companies. It sounds exactly yeah. the same. I tried to be as open about that as possible on the Kickstarter. Yeah. You know, some people fluff up their resumes and I was like, look, I've done these things. I have not done these things. It is what it is. You know, <laughs> I'll either figure it out or I won't. So you are going to be the one deciding the manuscript that makes it that book that goes to everybody. And obviously you might have advisors and someone that, that reads stuff over, but it comes down to you're checking out these manuscripts and hey, this is the one we're gonna put out. I hate that the answer to that is yes, but I don't know what else to do about that, to be honest with you. <laughs> it, um, it really sounds like you need a rating scale. Yeah. Maybe, maybe something like a, the that, Rambler rating scale. I don't know, maybe that would help That's you what out. our whole channel's based on. It's... <laughs> Guys, send that over to me. I'll, I'll, I'll review it and go through it, yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought about like beta reader programs or do you open it up to the people? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Who, uh, who backed it and get their opinion, but that creates a logistical nightmare because what if somebody leaks a book 
then I'm responsible for that. Um, cause it's not a book under contract with us. It's just a submission that people are trying to see if we should release mm -hmm. it. So mm -hmm. until there, you, you know, I would love to get to a place where there's a couple assistants where it's got to go through like, all right, this person said yes. Now this person, then it goes to final approval. But again, we're in the early days. This is wholeheartedly a startup and we're operating on startup margins. So yeah, unfortunately, cause I don't even like that myself. What if I get it wrong? That's a, it's a lot mm. of pressure on me and my mm. reputation could go down the drain because I print a POS, but we're going to see. It, what happens if someone's sending you a book one and it's part of a series, do you publish along their series or would it just be the, Hey, we're going to publish your book one. And then because since you're doing five a year, I imagine it can't be just five for one author. How would that work? Right? No, I would intend it to be different authors. Um, the main question that I have here that I'm still working through is I don't, I don't like, I think that it goes against our principles to make a secondary month for a second book, because that takes away a book, a release date from a different author who should be in that spot. I also don't think it's fair to the audience to give them a high quality book that they can't get anywhere else for book one, and then a mass market paperback for book two. That doesn't make any sense, right? So for authors who come up with uh, sequels, I think that there will be secondary rounds where if you liked the first book and you want a second book of the same quality, you purchase it ahead of time and mm. we'll just do it that way. Um, again, I don't really know what else to do with that because you can't not print it, but if you do print it, it takes a slot away from somebody else. So you'd kind of have to do it separate. Okay. So it, there's no... Uh the book will get out there. It's not like they'll have to wait super long or if it's a book one, they'll eventually get their second book. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in terms of the, it getting out there, doing it separate would also mean that it doesn't have to adhere to the timeline of Linmore House. It, as mm -hmm. soon as it's ready, it could be printed. Um, instead of, you know, well, it needs to fall into the fourth slot of the second year because we've got books lined up for the other ones. We could just release it when it's right. And for, for the authors, how does the contract work with Limmore House? Um, that is not set up yet. And the reason it's not is because there's no standard template in the industry. Authors may want different money for different things. So they want more, they'll be willing to take more money for eBooks if it's less money for physical copies. Um, some people might want to invest a lot of money into the audio quality so I want a higher percentage of audio take away from the other two of ebook and physical. Um, it, as a broad answer, it's a royalty basis. Um, you know, they'll be paid a percentage of uh, the sale price and the sale and the, those prices will be probably be different for the funding round versus the public round, right? Because like we're printing a book for the, the Kickstarter that is going to be a, a uh, high quality version that you can't get anywhere else. There will be a secondary version that people can buy on the open market. Prices for those two and right. uh, production costs for those two are different. So the royalty payout will be different. Okay. That makes sense. And, and is, oh, go ahead, Rich. Uh, you mentioned audio. I'm curious. Are these go, are these books going to be audiobooks that go onto audible or on different platforms? Another thing to work through, and one of the things that I'm going to open up to the audience and for the author as well, um, I am not a fan of 
Amazon's policies. I mean, for anybody that doesn't know, Amazon owns Audible, Goodreads, um, Kindle. Yeah. Uh, they <laughs> they, they own it all. Yeah, they royally screw people, especially in terms of audiobooks. Um, I think the number is if you're exclusive on Audible, you get 40% of the sale. If the author gets that sale, right? Yeah. Only 40%. If you're not exclusive, it's like 25%. Mm-hmm. And like both of those numbers suck. That's terrible for the taking author. 70, for the, taking yeah. 75% just sounds like it. that's robbery. It is robbery. It's just and thieving. This, yeah. It's another another one of the things, things that Brandon Sanderson is, is trying to fix and has been open about moving to other platforms. Um, so... In, in terms of delivery, I want that to be a thing that we vote on as a community, but I also want the author to have a say because Audible, the reason they take that much is because they give you exposure that you can't get anywhere else. There's a cost for that. But if the author wants to go, no, I've got my principles and I'm not doing business with them. Okay, we're going to back that. It's not going on Audible. Okay, so, that, because, it's good that you're giving the authors the option, though. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that I said in the Kickstarter was like, this isn't a dictatorship. I am a part of this community. I am a reader. I'm not the guy up on the hill in, in the Golden Castle. Like, tell me what you, how you want this to operate, even from a moral standard, and let's meet at the table. Because there's, there's the difference between what you want to do and what you can do. Just because you want to do something doesn't mean you can feasibly make that happen. But if we can feasibly make it happen, hell yeah, let's change some things. Absolutely. Fantastic. And would you say then for for the purpose of the big five publishers, what would you say is the main thing they're missing out on? If, if you oppose to the big five, what's the main benefit of your startup here versus a tour, a, a or an orbit. orbit, which of course people are still going to purchase from, still lots of great books coming there. But what can you draw readers in more versus those big five? Um, in terms of that, I can't do anything for the reader. It is only what I can do for the author, um, mm. w- uh, which is the value proposition to the author. And, um, you know, I haven't spoken a ton about this. I touched on it a, a bit earlier. But again, if an author does not have a following, they have no way of it getting out there. And that is a huge wake up call. I see it all of the time where they are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I, I've wanted to be traditionally published my entire life because they have this idea in their head of what that means. And they get the deal. and even if they get an advance, they get a $10,000 advance, which is pretty good for a first time author who nobody knows about. Um, they don't understand that they're not going to make any more money until that 10,000 is made up for in sales. And they don't understand that it doesn't come with a marketing budget. And they don't understand that even if it did come with a marketing budget, that that means nothing because people don't buy books based on ads. And it's like, you want that to be how commerce in this works. But the reality is, kind of like I said earlier, books are the hardest medium for time investment. If I make a music album, I can play you one song and within three minutes, you know if you like my style or not. For a movie, you can watch a two-minute trailer and know within two minutes if, that, if it's worth your time. And even if it's not, it's two hours at max. Those, the shelves behind you are filled with books that would take you 20 hours to read. That is an investment that is a difficult value proposition for the audience. And so getting people to invest that time, quite difficult. And the only reason that they would do it is because somebody that they trust told them, hey, this is worth it. You're going to feel things you've never felt before. You're, you know, whatever it is. Um, 
And us having a pre-established audience who is already dedicated towards that author's success in some fashion um, is something that Tor or Penguin Random House or anybody can't give you. You know, it, I think it's a miracle that we're able to give it. Um, and it's probably going to evolve over time. But show me another place that shows up at your doorstep and say, hey, I've you the thing doesn't even exist yet. I've already got 900 people that bought it. Yeah. No, you did not. 899. Okay, Eight. get that right. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get that whole number. I'm going to get that tattooed on my arm. <laughs> I saw you had some tattoos on your right arm there. What are those? Uh, that is the star of Macedonia for Alexander the Great. And then a... Wow. Uh, crown who was supposed to stand for king of kings i uh have my religious periods um but try not to bring that into the workspace now for those who are watching who've also made it to the end uh, and this has been a long almost advertisement that we just really believe in what you're doing and think it's very cool so i hope that people watching give this a genuine look and check out the links we'll have in the description but for a little bit of fun at the end here i wanted to ask you what is uh what right now would you say is one of your favorite books that you most recently read and what would you say is one that you kind of dnf'd and were like eh, i don't i don't really like this one because i saw on your youtube channel i scrolled through a bit and you had some videos you've made where you made some uh, i'll mention this afterward but i'm going to say mm. something that might make richard a little little upset but i'll let you answer that first <laughs> i know that that i dnf some books that i said in that video that Listen, I didn't want to do it. I had to do it. Ah, uh, okay. So I, I'm already anticipating it. <laughs> I will shout from the rooftops about my favorite book, The Empress of Salt and Fortune. Uh, Nevo, it's a novella. It's a hundred pages, but what? that book to me is the book version of a Studio Ghibli film. Wow. Um, oh. It made me feel what I felt in Spirited Away. And I had never, I still, like I've never found another book that gives me that feeling. Um, and it's not for everybody. Uh, it's There's a non-binary uh, main character. You're reading they, them the whole time. So some people I've, I've given it to have gotten confused about the pronouns, but once you get used to it, it doesn't matter. Um, and it is just a beautifully written, heart-wrenching story about love and loss and war and it's a hundred pages uh in a fantasy setting um who published this that was tor i think oh then don't buy it from tor i mean come oh, on you gotta uh, buy from linmore <laughs> linmore linmore only <laughs> no that's, right. that's pretty freaking cool though that, especially that you recommended a 100 page book that's way more reachable especially with everybody's to read lists being endless nowadays so yeah, I mean, it's one of like you look it up on Goodreads. I think it's got like five thousand reviews, so it's not a nobody book, but mm. it still doesn't get the reach that Brandon Sanderson or Sarah J. Mass or you right. know whoever the hell it gets. Um, but real quick, I wanted to touch on that because you were talking about promoting a book by Tor. I came out hard in the Kickstarter about like the things that they're doing wrong. But as a reader, I mean, you can see behind me; these are all books published by top five companies, and some that are not. They're not my enemy. Without them, I wouldn't be able to exist. I just want to try and pick up the space that they either are not focusing on or do not have the ability to, because there is such thing as being too big for certain niches. Um, so just throwing that out there. We like to say that with our channel, 
Like there's big booktubers out there, but look, come comfortable right in here. We can still we can still be somewhat authentic. We're not bought by Audible yet, but when you see the Audible ads coming up, you know we've lost everything. <laughs> Y'all have a like, great set, by the way. It looks amazing. Oh, you know you. what? Daniel Green, uh, he did the roasting bookshelves. You ever see those videos? I, he does. No, I saw that. He featured y'all's. He had yeah. us in his thumbnail, which is so cool. Yeah. That is uh, awesome. Oh, God. I, I built the bookshelf specifically to go over my couch. Like, I designed it exactly for the couch because that was going to be the set. And it just didn't work out. So <laughs> it's it's so weird. There's this big space underneath here. You know, if you didn't it's point odd. it out, I wouldn't have known. Um, yeah. But those, <laughs> the stack in the middle, those are Terry Pratchett's um, oh, the sig signature series, right? Yeah, they're wonderful. So I've oh, got a few them. of them in this stack right here. Um, the only thing I remember about getting them was that shipping from the UK was an absolute bastard. But mm. yeah, it's annoying. I, yeah. I think I, I think I ordered like almost secondhand. There was some publishing house in America that has them as well. Oh, I think see, that's what I, I had to do. I didn't know about that. I ordered directly from the factory, and I was like, "Well, if I'm get if I'm doing it one time, I might as well go all out." So I ordered like eight at once. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I need to I need to do that because I want some of the other stuff from the Terry the Discworld Emporium. Yeah, there's some other little knickknacks I would love to have. But yeah, God, I, I love those books. They're, but, well, let's you, oh, go ahead. You mentioned uh, you mentioned a book that I've DNF'd. Mm -hmm. um, oh yes, yes. Uh, well, I can't believe it. I was about to cut off the conversation and say, get into the DNF. Don't, don't escape that. I yeah. want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so I very rarely DNF books. Um, the last one I DNF'd was a winter's promise. And just because I didn't like the language style, uh, it's, it's a French written book that was translated into English. I don't mm. know if the French mm. is like verbatim and it would be the same, but, um, I thought that it was flowery in a bad way. Like, you know, mm. this is how you lose a time war uh, is flowery in a good way. In my mind. Um, I didn't love this. I think the book that you are going to roast me for DNFing is uh, Jonathan strange and Dr. Norrell. No, that, that, no, that was Actually, I haven't us. read that. Tell one. us, tell us, tell oh. us. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I've got, I got nothing. Cause I love Piranesi, but I don't okay. think that Dr. Strange mm. is there or whatever the hell that book is called. Uh, so what, so, what was the one I DNF that you so were? It, it wasn't a DNF. I misspoke then. It was one that you, you had a video on this and it said, are these classics still worth reading? Oh no. All right. I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> yes. um, and, and one of the classics that was brought up was Lord of the Rings. Yeah. What? So I just, yeah. I just wanted to give you the platform to apologize to Richard. You better, you better really <laughs> hope everyone clicked off the video by now. No, no one's going to no no support friendly. your channel. You're about to have 898 backers. <laughs> Look, I, I have my reasons, okay? I do not like what is referred to as walk and talk books, where like you're going from this place to go to that place, and there's maybe something that happens in the middle, but we got to travel really light, and that guy, for some reason, has a guitar, um, <laughs> and like, all right that was funny i'll give you that. It, it's just like talking and going to the next place and like i get this the steeple that is that book in the genre and how it transformed everything um but i don't i i have a genuine belief that if it was released today no one would know about it 
So I will give Richard the floor for his argument on that. And by the way, everything I'll, Richard's about to honest. say, I agree with, but I'll just let Richard <laughs> take it over. I'll be honest. The book isn't for everyone. True. Yeah. I, I, I'll get right out of the gate there that I was listening to someone who I told, hey, you should try Lord of the Rings. And they were said, oh, yeah, I've just been skipping some of like the, the poems and the songs. I was like, don't bother reading the rest of it. Just watch the movie. <laughs> if you... Because if you're not, if that's not your thing, then it's not your thing. It's one of yeah, those. You either buy into the like the whole vibe of what it is, or you don't. And I yeah. recognize early on I wasn't yeah. that guy. Hey, it's, just a, it's a it's a story to get you just enveloped in the world. Like the thing that I the emotions that I got from Lord of the Rings is it's just piqued my curiosity at every little turn, every mm -hmm. little culture mentioned, and where I was making theories in my head as, as I was reading and going, oh, who is the wife of uh, Bo Tom Bombadil? And is it this elf that's actually referred to later and this elf that's gone missing or the Entwives? And I'm going through the maps and seeing what uh, what's actually happened. Mm -hmm. That is the exploration of the world that it just, it's an experience I haven't had before. But to your point, the walking and talking books, I have a problem with Tad Williams' story, the Dragonbone mm. Chair, because it is also a very much a walk and talk book. Right. But I didn't get absorbed into the world. If you can't get absorbed into the world in your walking and talking books, then you're kind of out of luck. And I was going to add on to that and say, you mentioned the Empress of Saltland. Was that the name of the book? Yeah. Salt and Fortune. Salt, and, Salt and Fortune. Salt and Fortune. Okay. Salt and Fortune. I have that for later. But you mentioned how it was similar to Studio Ghibli. Got you that feeling. Oh, I yeah. know plenty of people who... Uh, Studio Ghibli is very popular. Hayao Miyazaki's a, a, a beautiful artwork. But some people just don't like the feeling of those movies. Whereas, mm -hmm. that, honestly, Studio Ghibli, for me, can be very hit or miss. Yeah. So I can... <laughs> spirited way, I respect it more than I love it. If that makes sense. I, I respect the works and the artistry of it, but to those other people who might have seen it when they were younger, or maybe they even saw it as adults, but a lot of the people I know would, would saw it as they were a kid and it has this nostalgic feeling. The artwork's beautiful. It's also a different storytelling type. I think it's called Kisho Tenkatsu, where mm. Japanese uh, story structures are sometimes structured differently so that the arcs in stories, it's not just your simple three-act structure, but they have, it's like a twist and then boom. I don't know too much about it, but that's that's what I've heard. So anyways, they're hit or miss for me, whereas my personal favorites, my neighbor Totoro, love mm. that movie. I got the feeling from that movie, and mm. I just got this wondrous, nostalgic, peaceful feeling. But then, whereas um, the Kiki's Delivery Service, another mm -hmm. Studio Ghibli film, I didn't like it. I mean, some yeah. people like the feeling of that, but I was just like, oh, I was just way too bored. Uh, <laughs> so do, would you say the same for, you know, Lord of the Rings might not be, be your kind of feeling, but do you have that for any other works? Like Studio Ghibli, do you like all their movies? Do you just like certain types of, do you get what I'm saying with this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think that there's anything that like across the board, I'm going to pick it up just because it's their work. Um, that Like people have their auto buy authors I don't have anybody I would put on that list. I mean, as much as I like even Brandon Sanderson's work, he's put out some stuff that I have no interest in. Um, mm. I'm quite selective in what I spend my time on media-wise. Um, and to, to Richard's point, you know, talking about some things are not for people, I don't think that there is a single piece of art created ever that is meant for everybody. Yep. Uh, there, there are going to be people, no matter what it is, no matter how great it is, genius or anything, 
that is just not going either they're not going to get it it like however they maybe they were raised in a way that they don't understand the background of it or what's happening like cool i i fully understand like the 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 feeling that you ha uh described in lord of the rings is essentially a sense of wonder well that's my favorite feeling as well but i didn't feel it in those books i felt it in something else so we're both mm -hmm. feeling the same feeling but getting it in different right. ways um so yeah it's just it's for some people it's not for uh some people so you have would, every right to to be wrong absolutely yeah, right <laughs> yeah. i would never look at somebody and tell them that they shouldn't like the lord of the rings i just right. have to point out why i don't like it um because that's my personal feeling about it i'm really glad we kept this to the end that that was that's was important if we yeah. had that in the beginning everyone clicked off and like i'm gonna right. refund they're just gonna get my refund yeah, on there too much tension I, yeah, <laughs> Rich would not have been able to sat through the rest of the interview. <laughs> just wanted to work. Well, how about one for for each of you? Is there a recent book that you've DNF'd? Oh, a recent? Yes. Um, but I can't say what it is because it was a book that was sent to us. Oh, and all right, they they're they're very kind, and we always appreciate people sending books. But it was it was someone's self published book. Ah. Uh, so I I won't say that because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna punch punch to somebody who put all this effort and work i would do that if it was a more of a sure a big author because i'm not I, punching yeah. up you know what i mean yeah, yeah uh probably the most controversial pick for me is jade city mm. I, I dnf that um quite a while ago that actually the bookmark is still in here i think okay. i i got through just under a half of it and I, I always see nothing but positive things about the series. And I just could not get into it. I did not under I couldn't connect with any of the characters and it made me just Yeah, not I feel I, like I recently made a video about that one. Uh, I did finish it, but I said I think I said like from a technical perspective, I think that it is great. Like I don't have anything to point out and go like, look, the characters are bad, the world is bad, blah blah blah. My thing with it was I thought that it was barely a fantasy book. Um, oh. mm. Like, I didn't feel any sense of wonder with it. It's basically a book about drug lords. And, and Jade is essentially PCP. It makes you faster, stronger. Uh, if, you, if you take too much of it, you die. And I was like, eh, I don't... <laughs> Oh my like, God! You guys are becoming friends again. You're, you're back in the good graces <laughs> <Hey>. again. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I get it. It was hard for me to connect with the drug lord characters, where none of them were particularly. Not that they weren't good; like they're all bad to a degree. But I just wasn't rooting for any of them, mm. and I just didn't care what happened to them in the next chapter. Which is odd because with Joe Abercrombie, I love his characters, and they're they, they do some awful people. stuff terrible yeah. people but i for some reason you root for him i don't know how he he does a really good balance of making his awful people do sometimes good things or just it's fun enough that you want to see them succeed yeah it's so interesting the things that we pick up on books that we either like it like we like it in this we didn't like it in that one it's a it's the whole mesh like you you gotta have multiple pieces and if one of those pieces is missing it throws the whole dynamic off yeah well, we can't wait to read the first book published by Lynn Morehouse. We're looking forward to it. September, those are coming? September, uh, but September May 1st. Yes. September May 1st is that first day. May 1st the first date. There will be a whole round of marketing videos that go out about it. So anybody associated to the project or my TikTok is going to know about it. Um, but 
just really thank you guys so much for having me on. This is amazing. No, th thank you a ton. It, it's an honor. And we don't know when this episode is coming out exactly. We're recording this. It, It'll it, be before May 1st. Um, but it, it possibly will be before May 1st. I think it will because we have another episode. So I hope it is before May 1st. But if not, all the info will still be down there and it will be available at, in May. Correct. So it's not like there's a deadline. There's going to be a two-month period two, whenever two people months. see this. Yeah. Right, until the July mark hits for the – got it. Got it. All right. Correct. Well, thank so. you guys so much for watching. Uh, go down below. Uh, if you want to support the channel, hit the Patreon link down below. Subscribe, comment, let us know what you think, and go check out uh, Linmore Publishing. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Cheers. Bye, y'all. Thank y'all. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.